On tonight's episode of the Superhero Show Show, we'll find out if Mac and Deke can prove that the 80s were the best decade, if Doom Patrol can recover from the Sex Patrol, and what show will win the Shushi for Best Ensemble. All of that and more on the Superhero Show Show. What's up, nerds? Welcome to the Superhero Show Show, the only show on the internet where we review every live-action television show based on a comic book or a comic book property. My name is Cassie, and I will be the host of today's episode, and today I will try to fearlessly lead us through all this comic book TV. But if I'm being honest, sometimes I get a little scared, so I brought along some friends with me to help and support me. Here with me, as always, is my good friend and brave boy, Ryan. Yeah, you're scared all the time. I like, know. Like, what do you mean, fearlessly? Fearful. Try- I would say full working- of fear. I'm constantly full of fear, but I'm, like, trying on it, you guys. Today, today, I killed a spider all on my own, and I only c- cried twice. So, I think During, I deserve props for that. Wait, hold, like, usually killing a spider is, like, a second or two. You you just, no, like... not for me. It's a full five-act production. Like, I gotta give, I gotta see it, and then I gotta, like, try to avoid it. But then I still know it's there, and I gotta build up the courage to go kill it. And then I gotta make peace with the fact that I just killed this spider. And it's it's literally a whole thing. Uh, there's here's a lot what, of time to cry in that. Here's what I'm asking for today. Uh, more inside scared, less outside scared. Uh, less teeth chattering, less mm-hmm. uh, knees wobbling and hitting each other. Uh, less gut, like every word doesn't have to start with a big stutter, okay? But I feel like that's really good for this audio medium. I feel like everybody enjoys that. It's a little bit of like ASMR into this. Or do it quietly and then nobody thinks you're scared. Mm, yeah, okay. You know what? You do you, Cassie. I'm going to do me. Uh, somebody's got to be the scared one because we got two brave boys here. Brave boy number two. Mike, how's it going? I'm fine with being brave boy number two. That's fine. I, I do want to say, Cassie, uh, bravery is not never being scared. It's oh. being scared and still one by one ripping off a leg from that spider like a fucking psychopath. Oh, Jesus. Okay. I was going to be like, I was again, I was going to say thank you for the support, but you took a real savage turn with you want me to rip the legs off? I thought that's how you did it because you said it took so long that you slowly killed this thing. No, it's Mike, just the amount of crying. Mike has lived his 30s like a uh, serial killer lived his teenage years. So I would <laughs> say like roughly at 60 years old, he's going to start fucking, fucking dead bodies. That's been my goal since I was a kid. I was like, I want to get famous the easy way, which is like becoming like a musician or an actor. And if I'm not famous by 64, I will be in a history book. I will be the oldest serial killer. I will say that it takes it takes me a minute to kill shit, but it's not the act of it. Like you guys are pulling limbs off, which is crazy. Uh, but I do a little like uh, pre boxing match. Like I jump around, I have somebody come in, like yeah, get my shoulders going, and yeah. then I go in and just bah, bop it. I bop it. You gotta have like Pass a full it. pump up crew. Twist yeah. it. Pass it. Oh, Ryan, there we go. Ryan. <laughs> Ryan failed on that one. But are you guys saying, like, am I scared of too many things? Like, are you guys afraid of just nothing as the certified Brave Boys? Let's find out. Ryan and I are going to go back and forth saying different things that you might be scared of, and you have to say yes or no, and then we'll let you know if you're scared of too many things. Excellent. Okay. Clowns. Yeah. Being alone. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Thinking your own thoughts. 
Oh, never. I refuse. Too scary. Disappointing everyone you love. Well, I've kind of come to terms with that. I'm working on that one. It's not as much as a fear as just like an expectation. Heights. Yes, very much so. Frights. Of course, double frights. I have enough frights. Enclosed spaces. You know what? Okay with that. Uh, People giving birth around you. 100%. Too far. Too scary. Too spooky, you guys. I don't know if I have... If People I can who go give on. birth to you. <laughs> the scariest of them all. Man, if you guys met my mother, I feel like we would all have the amount of fear that I have. It just It's like, I would say a healthy amount, but I don't know. I love this dynamic that we have. I love a good old-fashioned Cassie, Ryan, and Mike podcast mess around. But if I could suggest, if we could move to a fourth, where it's me, Mike, Cassie, and Cassie's mom, and we talk about the superhero TV of the week, I think oh. that I would love that. Yeah. I, I would also love that 100% just because she would be so confused but would still have opinions without knowing <laughs> no ground. She will share her opinions and you will know them. So Would she I watch would the it. shows? Yeah, she would watch them and just not understand what's happening. And she would like latch on to like, the weirdest parts of it. Like If I could show her the Bebo episode, she would be a fan because of Bebo. But anything but else, like if there's no weird little characters that say they're cute, it's all dumb. Also, Cassie, I know you're trying to host, and that's totally fine. I'm so proud of you, but you have a little schmutz on your face. If I could just get that real quick. Okay, yeah. No, like that would be her doing that. that you don't yeah, actually have schmutz on. I'm, I'm trying to. <laughs> I, thought I mean, you, you were... might. You have a microphone in your way, <laughs> so maybe you do have schmutz. We don't know how you eat or bathe. I am well. I don't. I don't. I only eat and I don't bathe. So thank you. Any <laughs> other questions? Eat <laughs> and I don't. Yeah, bathe. I got one. Thanks for asking. Uh, what is her go-to thing? about you like for me for my mom it's grandbabies what's the thing that she will always attack you about no matter what oh yeah it's i would say grandbabies are pretty strong and it's just kind of like why don't i call enough is a real easy go-to of oh like, for sure that's a classic like i should also be like writing cards home you know like i just carry writing cards it's here's what you personal. do take a sunday morning get shit-faced write 30 cards mm-hmm. and then once a month, send them to her. <laughs> and Mike, just to clarify, you want, this has to be a morning task? I That's mean, I don't know when you start drinking. <laughs> You're right. You are so right. Yeah, when Mike says in the morning and get shit-faced, that's redundant. Mike, what is your mom's like? Eh, I, I know for a fact at any point in the conversation, she's going to get to this thing that's terrible about you. That's terrible about me is that I don't care about real estate. <laughs> <laughs> It's just, it's a, such a good market and you should get into it, Mike, and I understand that. No, because th- that would mean sh- my life is also on the line. It's just, I, I don't show enough interest in her interest in real estate. Mm, okay, all right. Well, you guys, speaking of mommy issues, we're going to see how Deke is dealing with his after being stuck in the 80s on the main event when we talk about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. But before that, a quick stop to the bullpen. <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to the bullpen Normally, sometimes we'll have a little segment here, but we are deep into shushy season, so of course we're going to give away some rewards right now. Ryan, what award do we have this week? Can I just say real quick that if you miss the amount of bullshit that we typically do in this section, uh, join Patreon, guys, because it got <laughs> moved over to there, and uh, bullshit has never been bullier or shittier yeah. than yeah. on the Patreon right now. There's it got an moved excessive. and amplified. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're going to test if there can be too much bullshit for sure. That's an experiment going on on Patreon. 
It's just on this show, Cassie's like, I'm I'm the host, and I'm going to make a good show. But on Patreon, fuck, man, she is a mean bully who really <laughs> yeah. calls us out. Every segment is like, uh, I found your yearbook from elementary school, and here's a roast. <laughs> oh. I'm going to say somebody else wrote. I'm I'm waiting for your guys' yearbooks. It's going to be such a delectable little extra little cast you, can we have once your family sends that. Yeah, I was going to say you've written letters to both of her parents. Yeah. <laughs> All your family members, I've tried to reach out on Facebook. I created a Facebook to get it. And as soon as I get those, you guys, it's done for you fools. Just right there. Just right there. Cassie's the type of person who will write letters to your parents. And like, oh, yeah, no, it's just part of my day. Who deserves a letter to their parents? I was uh, also the kid who tried to like make parents love me more than their own kids, so of course I'm going to write your parents' letters. I'm already doing that. Well, yeah, kids didn't like my jokes, but parents would at least fake laugh, you know? I liked parents more than kids when I was a kid. Um, we have done best superhero team. When, and we, when we gave that shishi out, it was about like who works the best, who's like mm-hmm. power feeds into power, feeds into this power, and then we defeat the bad guy. This, though, is about acting. This is best ensemble. Which means all of these people came together and to create a big chunk of the show. And for a lot of the shows that I think we've watched, the most important, you know, like mm-hmm. we don't get a lot of superheroes and supervillains on the comic book shows that we write or that we watch. We we get ensembles. So what do you guys need in an ensemble, Mike? Yeah, I do think uh, at a young age, watching Whedon and reading Bendis broke me. So I need dial. I need banter. banter. You need the banter. banter. Yeah, you need the banter. You need to believe that this group of friends not only do they fight crime together, but they have a good old time at the movies. Mm-hmm. Do you lower your standards for what you think is funny? Yes, because of these shows. Yeah, for our shows. Yeah, yeah you just have to, <laughs> yeah. right? Cassie, what do you need in in ensemble? In an ensemble, for, it's kind of close to Mike. It's almost like banter, but I kind of need like there to be these certain roles that everybody feels like. The leader has to be like a no nonsense, like I'll handle my shit, and then just kind of have a, the more dumbasses underneath them that just really get along or work on their nerves is a strong ensemble for me. Really, you're oh. saying? <laughs> Hold on, <laughs> let me go through this real quick. Uh, you're saying that the leader really needs to be a leader, and then have a bunch of dumbasses underneath her. Are you guys making some connection here? Is there something? I'm just thinking. For the first time, a podcast might win Best Shushy, <laughs> <laughs> given Cassie's. All right. A couple things that we do have to go over. Uh, Arrow was not nominated in its last season, and I'm pretty sure has not been nominated for a single Shushy yet. Is that weird to you guys? In its last season, where if we were the Oscars, we'd be like, oh, we have to nominate it for everything. Uh, I think it's bullshit. I guess I will say that its last season was not its best season, but I also think... Uh, an unnamed host of this show probably sucks and didn't give it enough credit. Mm-hmm. An unnamed one who should stay unnamed for sure. But I, I don't. I mean, I feel like we're just a fair team here, and like if your season doesn't pull it, we can't just give it an honorary. Like we got to stay true. People come to us for the like hard hitting truths and like what's really real. So we can't just give these things away. Like it still has to be earned. Yeah, I would say that like it, it would be awesome to just like throw awards at Arrow because it was the last. This is our last chance, but. It's hard to argue that it should be ahead of any of these five shows. Uh, the other one I want to bring up is iZombie, which uh, had, I think, a lock for a nomination. And then two upstart shows came in and kicked it out. Uh, is that upsetting? Like, in its last season, iZombie did not get nominated. If it was an upset, that doesn't mean it inherently is upsetting. But I do think it's hard because that last season was last summer. 
Yeah, it was a long time ago. It started the tail end of the last Shushies, right? So that was a long time ago, and there's there's some new there's some new kids on the block, and oe oe oe, they got the right stuff. Oh god damn it, <laughs> fucking shit. Okay, but like, so what you're admitting is that we have incredible recency bias. No, never. I would never admit that. All right, here we go. You ready? Ready. Your first nominee is Agents of Shield. See, that's not recency bias. This shows this is one of our granddaddy shows, currently in its final season. But they got the Whedon banter because a uh, Whedon Junior writes it. It's his brother, but if you want to call him, <laughs> call a yeah. brother Whedon Junior. <laughs> yeah, that's how that works for sure. And they, it's not everybody doesn't sound the same. Daisy's banter is different than Coulson's quips. Is different than Max's obsession with chopping mall. Is different than Deke's glory. It's an ensemble they, that's been through like a lot, but they still have like it's stayed a solid ensemble. They've had so many seasons, and they were just like they're they're strong at this point. They're battle hearted, and they know what they're about. I think one good way to like give this award out is there's no plot. Like the characters are cracking beers open. Is that a good scene? And Agents <laughs> of Shield always pulls that scene off. Yeah. Your next nominee is last year's winner. It's Doom Patrol. Doom Patrol. We are five years or five episodes in, and that's all that we have for these shushies. And we were like, you know what? Fuck it. We love them. We miss them. They're nominated. I do wonder how nominated they were thinking of last year because this year they are. There's not a lot of ensemble. There's like two handers. They keep splitting them up, but it's rare all of them are together. So is it like well? Even though they're split up, they're all doing well on their little corners. I, I think it might be a lot of first season shadow. Well, this award isn't just like how they hang out, but also casting. You know, who did the best job making sure that every single part goes to the correct actor? And I do think that Doom Patrol does a good job of that. They do a good job. That uh, the addition of Dorothy, I think she gels by not gelling with any character very well. And to find someone with that face. Yeah, that was crazy. Uh, I I don't I'm not as bugged as at cyborg as you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, episode we'll talk about later tonight. Uh, him and Robot Man. I was like, oh, they should do this more. The the most deviant of the team and the most straight and narrow in the team should probably hang out a lot more often. Yeah. Cassie, is the Doom Patrol ensemble a selling point for you as you uh, get further into the season? I mean, it's pun- It's kind of like their personalities is one of the main reasons. They're all like severely fucked up so you it's kind of like a train wreck that you just come back it's a train wreck ensemble and you're just like how deep will they go and they keep going deeper so instead of like you know like when we were picking the best team it's like how well do they work together and these ones are all disasters just like barely getting by but they're like connecting in that and that's why they're working as an ensemble for me speaking of that i'm i'm just now realizing what a great title legends of tomorrow is because they travel through time and so you got to put like you know, back to the future. You, got, you have to have a title like that. But by definition of the title, they are not legends today. Yeah. They hope to be legends. Did you guys already think about that? No, I'm just supporting you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, the You're, instant. The instant. Le- I saw that title it could also be called Legends in Their Own Mind. <laughs> Your next nominee is Legends of Tomorrow. Oh, I didn't see that segue coming. Mm-hmm. It was flawless, Ryan. You did excellent at that. But I, mean, I should be hosting this shit. <laughs> let's not be insane now but obviously they had to be this is such a solid ensemble like as soon as it's the whole team and we get to put like a team together and pick our favorites of that like this legends is going to make it for us 
yeah, as the definition of they're cracking beers open, how bummed are you? Not at all. Like, mm -hmm. th this crew can literally do anything. They'll do it poorly and hilarious, but they'll do it together. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't want to speak too crazily uh, about Legends of Tomorrow, but, like, think about the best movie ensembles of all time. Like, Marlon Brando and Al Pacino and Jimmy Kahn, they were still acting however they acted in The Godfather. Almost as if, like, this group just walks onto set and they all become one piece. You know, like, mm -hmm. this is better than The Godfather. Uh, the, <laughs> the, next nominee, the next nominee is another one of those upstarts. It's Stargirl. Is this surprising? Do you guys think that this ensemble deserves to be nominated? I think some shining stars in this ensemble. Luke. <laughs> Uh, I'm a fan of my good work. Really carry a lot of weight for some lesser. I, I think Courtney and Pat are carrying a lot of weight for. Yeah. I mean, Amy Smart's fine. We don't like Mike. Uh, Yolanda, I think, is great. Beth is okay. Like, th th there's like a lot of variation among the ensemble, but when you look at the whole, you're like, nah, this is working because the people who are good are so good. Well, one yeah. part of it that I think may have gotten it nominated recently is that we shot, we thought that uh, Cindy was such a two-dimensional character. Mm -hmm. And over the past couple of weeks, like, all oh, right, girl, so like, you are now part of this ensemble. Yeah. yeah. And for this one, there's just, like, so much room for it to grow. It's just, like, it's rare to have this, where, this show where you see all this potential and you feel like they can reach it. It's a very exciting for this one. Like, we just have, the more time we get with them, I feel like the better it's going to get. So this is just, like, a hopeful one. For sure. Your final nominee is Watchmen. We had uh, you guys predicted. I didn't say anything that Watchmen would take every single award. It has zero awards so far. No, it, Lady True won one. Best Villain. One. So I'm sorry. Um, Watchmen's ensemble doesn't have a lot of cracking beers open. It doesn't have a lot of team poses. You know, like let's ha let's see how connected they are. But this is quite the stable of actors. Yeah, I was worried because they're not as fun. As some of our other groups, they might not land on here, but everybody completely owns and defines who their role is and feels lived in with a past, and the way they all gel together is phenomenal. And so many are just total badasses, which is also rare for these shows to just have like these truly competent, insanely good people. Like they they can kick ass and they will gladly. That and is Loop Man. <laughs> this show does have the advantage of like very very talented actors want to do it as opposed to the rest of the shows that we sort of watch guys i'm gonna take regina king off the board who is the best performance in watchmen i have such a special place in my heart for uh, i blanked out timothy chalamet nope. timothy chalamet as the guy from a brother where art thou oh okay tim blake nelson <clears throat> tim blake nelson thank you uh his character didn't have the most to do, but I, I think that guy is, like, America's most underrated actor. Well, he did get an episode, you know? Like, that's yeah. sort of how HBO shows work is. You'll get at least one episode. And, yeah, he fucking killed it and rode that line of fascism or vigilanteism. Mm -hmm. Which one do we Sil choose? Silver face, for those of us who d yeah. don't know who we're talking about. Foilhead? Foilhead. Mr. Foiler. Cassie, who was your favorite? Um, it was like it, it. I do really enjoy that character, but I mean, I don't know if he counts as ensemble. But Panda Guy, I I feel like everybody overlooks Panda uh. Guy, who's there to enforce the rules. And for me, he's included in this ensemble. And I want to give a shout out to Jean Smart, who yes. this is her second superhero show. Right, she's part of the ensemble of Legion that did not get nominated tonight. 
Um, and as Lori, as like an older than the version of Lori that I grew up with, uh, fucking so tough and badass and funny. All right, guys, we got Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Doom Patrol, Legends of Tomorrow, Stargirl, and Watchmen. Where do we think it's going? I think there was only ever one way this was going to go. Agents? No. Which is what? Legends. Over Watchmen is what you're predicting? That's my prediction. Yeah, I think we're idiots. I think it's going to be Legends. (laughs) (laughs) Cassie, what do you think? I mean, it would be very on brand for us. It's, uh, I'll go with Watchmen just to, just to say the opposite. And your winner is, it's motherfucking Legends of Tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I told you. <laughs> we are definitely idiots, but how can you not? I mean, like, we go, like, I guess we come for the, you know, like, the gorillas and the crazy awesome plot lines, but we stay, right? Like, we, we're in love because of these six or eight or whoever's on the show. Uh, people hanging out, right? Like that's that's it. Yeah, it. I, it's been a while since I've like rated my favorite shows of all time, and it might be. I at first would be embarrassed, but then be very proud. Like it, it's up there for me. I fucking love this show, and it's because of this crew. Oh, one hundred percent. And we love an underdog story here. So anybody from Legends, feel free to come down and pick up your Shushi Award. We will keep it polished. We polish them daily for you guys. But that is all the time for this segment. Next up, the main event. <laughs> On this week's episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the team leaves Mac and Deke behind in 1982, just like those thoughtless prick nutsack aliens did to E.T., also in 1982. Mac spends a month or 20 in a deep, drunken depression before finally coming outside of the house to find out that Deke is the lead singer of a rock band, the rock band is a front for a S.H.I.E.L.D. team that Deke formed, and murderous robots like the ones in the hit 80s film Chopping Mall are trying to kill our heroes. Will the rest of the S.H.I.E.L.D. team rescue Mac and Deke before the robots get to them? 100% 100% absolutely. So Taste Buds, we'll dust off, dust off the typical S.H.I.E.L.D. question for the season. Did they get the feel of the year and genre right? Uh, did you guys see the amount of blood in this episode? <laughs> yes, it was almost TV rated MA. It was crazy. And that was the most surprising thing is how much gore there was. It was uh, as if people filled champagne bottles with that, uh, what's that, cold tomato soup? Clamato? No, that like Spanish people eat. Gazpacho? I was going to say Gestapo. Yeah, but like they filled champagne bottles with uh, Gazpacho and then just shot it all over the winning locker room. (laughs) It was amazing. It was unreal. Like that was one of the funniest parts about those robots because they would be like off off screen and then like blood would just like pour out from like in the the opening that you could see. And I was like, this is this is top A comedy right here. And I'm going to guess I'm not a doctor. Uh Far more blood than would be in one human body. <laughs> it, yeah. Like, this was shining elevator doors opening <laughs> amounts of blood that was coming out. Like three or four times throughout the episode. <laughs> <laughs> but did they get, like, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't alive during the 80s. I don't mean to brag. But uh, as a young gun Fuck here, how was, how'd they capture the 80s, guys? Was it pretty accurate? Well, first of all, Young Gun and Young Guns 2 was a movie from the 80s, proving that you were from there. Also, you're allowed, Cassie, to go and watch movies that no. came out before you were no. born. No, no that not. doesn't sound right. The Deke Squad, which is both the name of the band and the S.H.I.E.L.D. team run by Deke, uh, their intro was was flawless. Mm. It was so 80s, and, and which characters they chose to use, it was amazing. 
his whole like walk onto the stage was like absolutely beautiful. As soon as it was like, oh, he's performing tonight, and you just see the white shoe like come on stage as they have like the multicolored light down low, and then you get the whole red pants with his red bandana. I was like, yeah, I am into. Mm-hmm. I now know what the show is about, and I'm into it. Chopping Mall was a huge reference, especially for like not the most famous of '80s movies, but the other one, Mike, is there's a movie that. Uh, you and I watched on vacation one time. We took one of our Ryan and Mike mess arounds <laughs> where we just go find an Airbnb and sit on the couch and just stare at each other silently. And But a movie came on called The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai. Yes. In the eighth dimension. Um, and that was about a superhero scientist group of, uh, and it was a rock band. And so there was a lot of Buckaroo Banzai here as well. Oh, I didn't even put that together. I thought it was just like, this sounds like a dumb thing from the 80s. But yeah, the perfect. I would want, I want the spinoff now where they go to a different town every week and this team fights crime <laughs> under the guise of, it's like gem truly outrageous. That's what I... I love how that's just all one thing. Do you guys think it's unfair? Like, it should be Buck, Buckaroo Smith or John Bonsai. The fact that his name was Buckaroo Bonsai, is that too much name for one man? Yeah, does the man na- wear the name or does the name wear the man? I mean, even Indiana had Jones, you know? It does. The dumbest last name there the is. stupidest <laughs> name. It does totally kick ass. I do want to know, like, how does this, like, 80s shield compare to our shield nowadays for you guys? Because the 80s shield had cricket, so I'm wanting to lead towards <laughs> this one. Can we uh, talk about cricket real quick? Because, we simply uh, must. Cricket was, peace. cricket was played by somebody <laughs> named Ryan uh, Donahue. And Ryan Donahue played, and I, right now I'm talking to my two favorite OCD co-hosts. You guys have done equal amount of episodes, and I appreciate mm-hmm, that. Yeah. Uh, it, in season Great. three, Ryan Donahue plays Johnny Harper, one of the biggest bullshit parts about season three. So this was really nice for me to see that he is uh, as big of a piece of shit that I thought he <laughs> would be. What piece of shit? Why? He has a steady job selling yeah. coke. <laughs> He's out here making money. Even though Deke never sees the Coca-Cola around. Which is stupid because even if your job was selling Coca-Cola, you still wouldn't phrase it selling Coke. You'd be like, (laughs) uh, he's a distributor of soda or something. Deke is so dumb. So dumb. But do we feel like, was the 80s team like, you know, Deke kept like champion that like there is hope for this team and they just looked like complete disasters. Like to me, I kind of lay on like they are just too much of a disaster. Like they are there as a comedy joke. I'd say well, ladies yeah. are good, dudes get out of yeah. here. Yeah, exactly. Right. The, the, the women were legit good at their jobs. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And uh, the I, I don't remember anybody's names except for Cricket. So the, the brunette is who snapped Mac mm-hmm. into place uh-huh. because he was being a drunk asshole because his robo-parents died 20 months <laughs> before so he could just blow up the rest of his life. And she, she wasn't that blunt, but <laughs> that's essentially she what she said. But no, she knows what it takes to be in a superhero TV show of this day and age, which means that you have to like be able to kill robots and fight mm-hmm. as a team. But also, you have to be ready to deliver the the speech when the strings are playing in the background at any given moment. Like that's such an important part of being on a TV show. I also do love that she thinks the kids that Deke has been taking care of are Max's mm-hmm. sons, mm-hmm. and he is a piece of shit dad and won't go see them. But still, so <laughs> which felt a little racist, but. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> it's just that she's like that committed to um, Deke as a leader. He was like, listen, like, I know, like, Deke trusts you, but I see you as a piece of shit dad, but I'm still, because Deke has some respect for you. I'll respect you a little bit, and you should get in on this team. So, like, that was like, it's cool to see, like, that much respect for Deke, because after this episode, I respect the hell out of Deke, 100%. I know. 
But like with Deke, it's still it's always uh, like two steps forward, one and a half, and maybe two, two and a half steps back because yeah. he got he got in so much trouble last season for just stealing because he's from the future. And then he said, I will never do that again. And then he's up there singing fucking Simple Mind songs and <laughs> yeah. saying, I am totally the creator of this. And, uh, like, it, and I will also one day create a movie called Yesterday where somebody does w- this with the Beatles songs. And that's <laughs> my idea as well. I, more power to him. He's like, Fuck yeah. it. Oh, because it, it's the Deke Squad who did the Breakfast Club song and not Simple Minds that'll change history. It's it could fine. be the Deke Squad. And he kicked ass at it. So, you know, like if that was a karaoke performance, he absolutely nailed it. So I think he earned that one, honestly. Did you guys notice? And I think this is a reference to 80s movies. Uh, he started the song and then finished the song. They went through the entire duration yeah. of every lyric of that song. It, it, there's more words than I thought, but still somehow less. And he put in that made the song about Daisy. He just every once in a while at the end of the line, he would say, Daisy. <laughs> <laughs> it was truly a beautiful episode. But we touched on depressed Mac for a little bit. And this was like them trying to make mac look like it on like a slob was like my favorite part of it because they were just like look at he's got a beard but like this dude would still like put him now on tinder he would still be like the most put together one out there yeah it's hard to make one of the most like stacked human beings alive right now look slovenly without putting him in a fat suit well he grew the realest beard i've ever seen that was (laughs) that was amazing and then Uh, ripped it off with his fingers (laughs) I think th- I think they did have a little bit of a fat suit, right? Like they did stuff his There's shirt a little bit. Some light padding under the shirt, yeah, but not enough that you could still see his shoulders yeah. and muscles and stuff. And also, if you're built like Mac on a TV show, when somebody says, "Hey, it's go time," you just that it all just goes away. You just like yeah. suck it up, and now you're fucking built as shit. Yeah, it was like almost like they had him like slunch a little bit, and then as soon as he was deke, it was just like prop- proper posture, and they're like, "There he is. There's our boy." <laughs> But they also put him in a sleeveless shirt, and I was very into that aesthetic. Like, it's like that whole scene of him getting back oh, to Mac yeah. and just in the sleeveless, like a shield suit, sleeveless jumpsuit, yeah. yeah, and a bandana or like a, a headscarf, a uh, sweatband. Back to Mac is almost as good as the actual title of the episode. <laughs> back to Mac, and I do think too that these are two characters that can't that have the potential to wear on me, uh, Deke, because it forces me to admit that no matter how like try hard he is i still love him and i wish that i didn't and then you know we've talked about how boring and vanilla of a leader mac has been forever and i do think that like i wouldn't have said this up front i would have much preferred like a daisy and uh may episode right right but having these two together like it was a really good balance yeah i think they were very wise in who they left back in the past and it's almost like it feels like this season of shield they went back and listened to how we've talked about mac for years and we're like Fuck you guys. We're going to fix it. We've listened and we're doing it. Because I, I do like the arc max on. The arc. Okay. But if I may real quick talk shit. I, the, yes, the arc that Mac is on is right. But I found this episode really funny and had a lot of moments that hit. But there was one part where um, Mac's like, we're going to go and we're going to kill him. And then uh, the girl next to him is like, you mean the robots, right? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean the robots. And they try to do like this quick sort of banter. The actor and the character just aren't capable of that. I yeah, wish they, they would sh- stop that. They shouldn't make Mac. Yeah, because he says somewhere, somehow, somewhere, someone's going to pay. And her going, you mean the robots? That got me. But yes, I mean the robot. Yeah, not smoothly delivered yeah. there. And it's hard to like compete with that level of comedy when you do have Deke absolutely killing it at a cover band. And then also they put um, Coulson's body is just in the TV. 
and the background mm-hmm. they chose is just like an eighties screensaver of like lines, and they're like, "Look at him, and it's stuck in a TV like that in itself." Yeah, a, a TV like what, Cassie? A, j- just a TV? Would you say what was the reference there? You, you, I don't know. Old. You're you're so young. We're gonna send you right to your max bedroom. <laughs> I she doesn't know. get it. She's I too don't young. Know. <laughs> Sorry. I would lo- I would love to have a bedroom and then for serious shit, my maximum bedroom. <laughs> uh but just just so like we're clear, I I am not old enough to know what max headroom is. I wasn't around for that. I know it because I am a fucking connoisseur of pop culture, mm-hmm. Cassie. Yeah. Get your head out of your fucking ass and learn about Max Headroom, one of the most important TV shows in history. Sir, yes, sir. I will Google. I, I d- <laughs> I do like so that the Chronicoms are who are the, in the chopping mall robots, and Sybil is also like a little weird science, a little her is talking to like a computer nerd to build those robot bodies. But then her final evolution and like the thing that should be scary and dangerous, she's also just in a Max Headroom TV. Uh-huh. That made me laugh a lot. <laughs> like, it's, this isn't actually scary. There was limits to, I don't know if it was special effects or just like technology in general, but there was limits of uh, the decade of the 80s, how scary they could make something, you know, like, yeah, uh, this is it. it. Like, the robot has red eyes, right? Pew. It did, they did give these robots lasers, though. So, and at some point, just like an Uzi, I think, it like really popped off on that gun. Like, it was like, I'm lost, and then just straight murdered. Yeah. <laughs> did they... Did they pick Shopping Mall, though, to, like, reference it? Or did they pick something that they thought they could steal from? Because I got to say, if it wasn't for the, like, uh, dead person that we know called Taylor, uh, I have never heard of that movie. And this movie is Shopping Mall up and down. Well, yeah, Taylor, rest in peace, is talked about a lot. But it's also one of the only things in Mac's personality for years is that he loves Shopping Mall and hates robots. Oh, really? Yeah. I did not know so, that. So, for them to finally make him be able to fight them, it's crazy they didn't shine a bigger lantern on that. The other thing, Cassie, that was very big about Max's personality in the past, um, did you feel it when Deke opened that door and we saw the uh, axe slash shotgun? <laughs> I, Max's favorite weapon. Like, did you feel that in your balls? I didn't. Like, it looked... It was really cool, but like to me, I knew it was this deep moment, and it wasn't hitting for me. It made me a little sad because I knew this was like an awesome moment for everybody who put in the time and deserved it, and uh, I felt like a piece of shit because I was just like, "That's a cool little sword." I I love the hero's denial, denying the call to adventure of saying, "No, I can't pick up that axe shotgun again. I'm not who you need." Did um when so the Chromicons like. It feels like Coulson and Chromicons just like can't die because they can like transfer their souls through this technology now. And I want to know how you guys feel about like that storyline. Like, does it seem like too much of a cop out, or did they make it work? I would say that if this was like season three out of seven, like I knew that it was going to be seven seasons, and we're in the middle of season three, then it'd be like, come on, like we could be smarter than that. Like you guys understand what stakes are. Like let's do this right. But at this point. I sort of just think that, like, there, you know, we have like six or seven episodes left, and if Coulson just dies twice per episode from here uh-huh. on out, I think I'm okay with yeah. it. You know, like, let's just let's have as much fun as possible. Let's wear on our sleeve that we watch the last season of Legends of Tomorrow mm-hmm. as much as possible, and let's just do it. I don't care at this point. Yeah, it's a one-two punch if they watch Legends, and it's their victory lap. They're just having a good mm-hmm. old time, and like, they're not wrapping stuff up. This isn't a quick season. Every episode is just, like, a different character gets to have a blast. Yeah, that's what I was surprised by, like, just how fun the episode was. I was like, this is not, like, because I am jumping onto uh, 
the show now so i was very surprised by like i was didn't think it was gonna be like just this jolly of a show uh a dumb thing that does feel like not just an 80s throwback but too often every year a show does this is the whole thing is framed of deke telling may what happened and how needless was that okay i think we should talk about this though like it, it's it's 100% needless like we can just we can just watch their adventures you know like nothing fucking matters these are yeah. time traveling superheroes in a shared universe that is no longer sharing anything with them and it's the last season nothing matters but when you start the start the episode with deke telling may what's up then we're supposed to think that like oh deke is going to tell deke's side of the story right uh-huh and that that does make but they never return to it. It's almost right. like they decided at the last minute, oh, let's cut that part from the script, but accidentally forgot to like remove Edit that, that opening. <laughs> yeah. Why did we start there? Yeah, that is I honestly forgot about that beginning because it is so like it is not a part of it at all. So and I guess like And it's only more confusing by the end when Yo Yo and May run in and like help and meet the new team. Mac is there, so why would she be, be debriefing? It, it's all just banana. It was it was very poorly done. <laughs> if you're trying to figure out what happened and your options are Deke and Mac, you do not talk to Deke. Like, no. at no point. Like, all right, thank you, Mac. And then for a second opinion, I'm just going to talk to Mac again. Like, you will not talk to Deke at any point. I don't know if it was because they needed to see, like, you know, throughout the episode, we see him, like, being the hero, like, continuously going to, um, not uh, going to Mac and, like, dropping off his stuff for him and, like, taking care of, like, him as, like, kids and stuff. Like, he got him a better car, gave him, like, a drum kit and everything. So I don't know if it was, like, to justify that, but I feel like they could have just had him being, like, this super good guy taking care of his friend, you know? So I don't know. I don't know why they did that either. But overall, do you feel like this season is, like, I thought it was a really good episode. I saw online that some people thought it didn't hit, but for me it hit, but I don't know if it's because I'm just jumping on. No, like I, I do think that it's a perfect one for this episode for you, Cassie, to like. Uh, I'll do this one, and you know, like, not mm-hmm. care about anything else. It was perfect for that. Um, it they didn't go full on eighties like they did with the noir ones. There's been a couple yeah. where like they dedicated the entire episode, but I don't know, man. I don't like. I'm not sure I want to watch an entire episode for from the eighties. Like, movie of the year is doing 1985 right now. We're going to talk about a show that spent later that spent five minutes in the 80s and it was hard to get through uh so yeah i just i like the jokes and then let's move us on you know yeah. I, w- I would say very successful they're blending it yeah the people on the internet i do think people are like well why isn't there more plot and like man the show's ending let them have fun and be with these characters for the last yeah. time so if you want to watch this final season it is on wednesdays on the abc that is all the time we have for this segment so next up we're heading over to the poll list <laughs> We are back for the pull list where we are going to talk about all the other shows we watched this week. First one starting it off is Snowpiercer. On this week's Snowpiercer, revolution has finally come, and Leighton leads the lower classes forward in armed rebellion. Melanie's house of cards collapses, and she's in danger of becoming the first casualty in the battle for control of Snowpiercer. Taste buds, I ask you this. The actor who plays Leighton had a big week. Did anyone experience why? No, I did not watch Hamilton. What the... It's Bro. so fu- it's so Bro. fucking crazy to uh, watch Hamilton and be like, "Wow, that guy from Snowpiercer, he seems a lot more talented when he's not on Snowpiercer." <laughs> <laughs> was just as successful at leading a revolution, though. Was it yeah. just as sassy? I love how he always has to be part of some revolution. You know, like <laughs> wherever it is, I just I need to fight in something. 
I mean, I would follow Davi Diggs into battle no matter what it was about. Yeah. He'd just be like, I want to like argue about this. And I'm like, hell yeah, I got your back, dude, 100%. It's the craziest thing about Snowpiercer is how slow he talks in it compared to uh-huh. what I've heard him both in Hamilton <laughs> and clipping. He can go so fast, but Leighton is just sleepy sloth over there. Or someone will be like, uh, "You know, you better go." And Davy Diggs is like, "Oh, I could do. I could let me take over from here." I hope in outtakes he they just let him go on a couple. Then maybe we'll watch those outtakes. But if you want to watch Snowpiercer, it's Sundays on TNT. Our next show of the week is Doom Patrol. On this week's Doom Patrol, we see a babysitter's worst nightmare as a playdate turns murderous after Baby Doll and Dorothy call in their super powerful friends to settle their beef. Larry is also having a very bad day as he goes to help his son in, attempt, in, an, in an attempt to reconnect, but instead gets set up by said son and almost captured by the government. And just to add to all this shit, Cliff is also on a mission to gain the ability to feel, feel again, which leads to him pocketing a severed finger. Taste buds, I ask you. This show makes a lot of disturbing decisions, but the most insane one this episode was the most insane one this episode. The transition from Cliff dropping a cutoff finger into his pocket into the next scene of a raw hot dog hitting the top of a grill, because that was unreal. No, 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 no. I love that shit. A couple more of my favorites is uh, in the film Me, Myself, and Irene, uh, Jim Carrey uh, pops, soft a, serve. pops a squat on his neighbor's lawn to take a shit, <laughs> and then it cuts to chocolate soft serve coming up. Oh, no. I think it just hits so hard because we had just shared and bonded over our love for hot dogs and to see it go from a severed finger to a hot dog and see the connection of how close those are, it really hit me. That's all a hot dog is and I'm fine with it. I'm here for it. (laughs) But I mean, this episode did have a lot of like devastating and fucked up moments. Uh, One of the ones I do want to talk about is that um, the ones with Larry, like that was the most devastating scene to me. And I don't know if it's because like, it finally hit that his son wasn't like truly like as forgiving as it was like seeming and it was straight mm-hmm. up like just there to betray him. Yeah. And especially like, cause the moment went in the beginning when he hugged him and yeah. you're like, Oh my goodness. And like, but what's, what I love about this show is all of the, everybody in the doom patrol is a selfish fucking prick and get mostly away with it other than like being haunted by it. So I feel bad for Larry. But also, I kind of get where his son is coming from. That's the thing. The other thing, too, is that, like, TV has a long list of, like, uh, coming out moments. You know, like, uh, these times where, you know what, I'm a character and I'm going to come out to the people who are important to me. Mm -hmm. And they always go so well and everyone crowds around them. And Larry's son, you know, Larry says, like, here's what happened. Here's who I am. And Larry's son, like, uh, that's... You know, that's awesome. That's brave of you. Whatever. I understand. Also, fuck you. You were a terrible person, a terrible dad. You're a criminal. Here we go. The cops are coming. Because Larry's son is like a 70-year-old uh-huh. dude like in the military. So, yeah, he called the department normalcy on him. What I don't like about Larry's son, other than I know we should be Team Larry, is uh, all these dudes start shooting Larry, so he releases the negative spirit. And this army kind of sucks, which is why they can never capture even this band of misfits. And Larry's grandson gets shot and Larry's son blames Larry. He's like, look at what you did. I'm like, nah, I don't know, bro. You're the one who called the army <laughs> like, yeah. and still had your grandson and son there. You idiot. Unfortunately, like, when you get, uh, when somebody accuses you of getting a kid shot, uh, everybody's reaction is like, oh no, I'm going to think about this forever. As opposed to saying what's right. Nuh-uh. You nuh-uh. did it. Shut up. You. It was you. But yeah, because uh, the, the, the grandson would have gotten shot too. Mm-hmm. Because if Rita 
Mr. Fantastic. She actually was heroic, even yeah, though she, she was a drunk, weird lush with that little kid the whole day. <laughs> that was the most surprising moment for me is I didn't think we were going to get like as soon as Rita started drinking, like she showed up to this with a flask. I was like, oh, it's another bad episode for Rita. But she got like an actual superhero moment and like saved this kid from being shot. And I was like, oh, OK, but still incredibly drunk throughout it all. Also, it's it's a special kind of drug because there's the uh, there's the detective who like takes a swig off his flask and then puts it away before anybody notices. And the drunk that we had with Rita was like she would take a drink and then look at her glass and be like, ah, so good. I fucking love alcohol. I love being drunk. This is awesome. And her reason for drinking is because she found out where the community theater director worked and went to the Lowe's Garden Center and auditioned and didn't get it. So she drank all day. She. She found out how to revive her career by being the lowest form of actor that you can possibly be. And that was like, hell yeah, we did it. Let's have a margarita. Big success. The, um, obviously we got to talk about the other fucked up moment is this play date turned terribly because that was also unreal. I, what what did the chief think was going to happen? Who Honestly. saw this coming when Crazy Jane's baby doll and Dorothy have a mess around? How could this possibly happen? It's these two spoiled brats who are the most powerful on this team, and their whole lives have been simultaneously like catered to and imprisoned with that, but never being held accountable. So of course it's going to turn murderous and awful. Okay, but like I like I don't know if you're victim blaming, but like they have been. Kept in essential cages. Just it, like it, 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 there's a lot like Legion here, where like we're gonna spend your entire childhood and even sort of into your adulthood, sort of like telling you you're not powerful and how mm-hmm. to not use your powers because we're scared of you. But like any sleepover I've been on, uh, at a certain point it gets late enough where everybody's like, "Fuck you, fuck <laughs> this," and then you just go at each other. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, the chief is an idiot, but but like these are spoiled people and tortured people that's a bad combination Mm -hmm. i didn't know how tortured baby doll was though because what as soon as dorothy like you saw her make this switch where she was like i'm about to fuck this kid up and lead her to the incinerator i was like as soon as i saw that incinerator in the basement i was like whoa child that's some next level shit but then it was baby doll who immediately escalated it to like okay bitch i'll burn you alive right now and i was like holy (laughs) hell it still had that feeling, though, of, like, classic kid shit. Classic, like, one-upmanship. Classic, let's make the sleepover a little more dangerous. Uh, let's prove that, like, I'm a little more powerful than you. We all did that. We just weren't... We didn't have, like, alpha mutant-level powers when we did it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If only. Yeah, I once got chased around a kid's house. I think I was seven. Uh, and he showed me his dad's spear gun and then chased me around the house, <laughs> shooting me with the spear gun. So kids do this stuff. Like as soon as you start sharing a story from childhood, I get so I delighted, and it never disappoints. <laughs> it never I, I take my headphones off immediately. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm basically uh, Timothy Dalton in this show to Mike. Like, oh no, my child is fine. I never want to hear about how <laughs> fucking fucked up their lives are. Oh my god, it is unreal. Well, um, and so now Baby Doll is the one that all of like uh, the people inside Crazy Jane, like all the Janes, were trying to protect, right? Like now, oh, there's a different one. Okay. Yeah. So Jane's original person, her name is Kay. uh, Mm -hmm. And Kay had a very like uber religious uh, parental molestation, a bunch of crazy stuff. And this is like what's caused all the each personality owned up to do a different thing. So Jane is the primary baby doll is like 
the personality of before K grew up. Okay. Kind of thing. So yeah, K we've seen once and she's like 11 and hidden in the bottom. They don't let her surface ever because they, they all need to protect her. Uh, where really if they were together and be like, life is hard, but we could get through it. Jane would probably be a more fully functional person. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the candle maker shows up and starts killing a bunch of those personalities. Just and like stabbed baby doll. Candlemaker is not like a brilliant, uh, I don't know, like strategist. He's like, I'm going to show up all of the time. And at some point, it's going to be the perfect situation where you will listen to me. Like every, every single thing that happens, I'll be like, hey, do something. And you'll be like, no, until, <laughs> until you follow his lead. Until eventually you let him murder. And so is her wish get rid of all these personalities? Because he, I think she, she did see the map of the underground that Chief wrote out, which is, I think, how she knew to send Candlemaker down there, Dorothy being the she. I, think, I mean, I, I took it as it was just murder baby doll, and those other ones just got in the way. Okay, that makes sense. Still gross. Uh, but it's also because the flame one we've seen like twice is Jane's like most powerful personality. Yes. You can see everybody in the underground's face when that got taken out in a second. <laughs> oh, no. Wait, no, no. Oh. And Hammerhead's like, my power is punching. <laughs> <laughs> I've got nothing. Uh, there's, we uh, are... Oh, go for sorry. it. Sorry. So sorry. Uh, there's a couple, two more things that I want to go over. One, this episode had a really awesome theme of like, it seemed like there, there was all these like disparate stories, but the one thing that they all had in common is that like evil is still such a dicey word. I don't know how to like deal with evil, but what I do know how to deal with is fear. And sometimes when you're scared, evil stuff happens. And that was the through line is that like all of these people are so scared that they do bad things, but they're not bad at their core. They just, they like, they jump, they freak out, they go to survival mode and then they attack. The other thing I want to talk about real quick is Cassie, at the opening of this episode, you talked about Sex Patrol. This is the first episode, right, since we yeah, saw the Sex Patrol? the Finger Patrol. Uh, I, I thought that we would just, like, maybe have tea for an hour and just, like, kill, like, just relax a little bit. And there is a part of this episode that's that, but Doom Patrol will never let you off the hook. Like, they're going to put you through Sex Patrol, and I would say, like, 30, 40 minutes of this episode was sort of chill for Doom Patrol, and then the last 20 minutes, we're like, what the fuck, man? I miss Sex Patrol at this point. Like, <laughs> it's, it, it, it doesn't do that thing of, like, that Netflix thing of, like, oh, we'll waste two, three, four episodes, you know? like No, yeah, it does no. not do that. Things will never be the same again because of this episode, and I did yeah. not see that coming. Yeah, it really ripped up on it. And real quick, we almost got to go to Moments of the Weeks, but real quick, is Cyborg, like, if they... We had a little mini-show of um, Steel and... Uh, Steel and Stone. Steel and Stone, and those of like an 80s buddy cop movie between Cliff and Cyborg. And if they would commit to that, like I would be fine with Cyborg. If Cyborg Cyborg is not on Doom Patrol, then I would watch it. If like that took him off this show, then I would do it. One under. I I think this episode was good for him. He's still like the weak link, but him and Cliff hanging out more is awesome. It's like we saw more of his personality throughout this episode because Cliff is a dirtbag. Uh, a small moment, but if they expanded upon this, is Cliff says, no, don't bring her sandwiches. Girls don't like this. Just say these three sentences and throws the full sandwiches out the window. And Cyborg just saying, yo, that's wasteful. Like, he's not mad, but he does care about the earth. It is is wasteful. I like that. But also, he's a creep and using his camera just to spy on this chick he likes. So it's weird weird as hell. So I'm still on the fence of him. But do you guys, we'll start with Ryan. You got a moment of the week? I mean, like, it feels stupid. It feels cheesy. And I know the show wanted me to pick this, but like... We were talking about did Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. do a good job of like being an 80s horror movie? And it did at times, but not fully. 
this steel and stone thing, like that fully committed to looking exactly like the op- grainy the opening credits of a seventies cop show. Like the way that they would almost kill each other and then not and then laugh. Like laugh. that is what <laughs> just happened on TV back then. Uh, it was awesome. Yeah. Uh, Mike, what about you, Moment of the Week? Uh, yeah, I'm going to say it, it has to be Steel and Stone. They've created a new genre called Robo-Sploitation, and I am here for it. <laughs> that was uh, also, obviously, it has to be my Moment of the Week, but my other one is when Larry's grandson left, like, the great-great-grandson, the kid, with Drunk Rita to, like, go inside because Drunk Rita was just too much because that was just a moment from childhood. Like, to see a portrait on the screen, like, this is for everybody. That's a move you shouldn't do, but parents always do. The adult was weirded out by her, so left his kid. That was bananas. <laughs> oh, and real quick, one more thing. Uh, like at the the very last thing that we see in the episode is Robot Man like takes his jacket off and puts it in his closet. And I have never seen a show end with such a great cliffhanger. That was that was really really good. I can never <laughs> let him. As soon as he says just one last thing, I can never let him do it. Doom Patrol is on Thursdays on the HBO Max or the DCU. You can watch it on both. Our next show is Warrior Nun. On the second and third episodes of Warrior Nun, Ava and the squatters crash a swanky tech party with his friends, where it turns out they're experimenting with Divinium. Meanwhile, Mary goes gunning for the people behind the attack and her sisters, who might be that same tech company. In the next episode, Ava takes her first steps towards understanding the Halo's power, but most of the nuns aren't into her shit. Taste buds, I ask you this. Ava calls out the Order of the Nuns for being led by a man, and for being hypocritical for worrying about foul language in a place where they train killers. Does Ava need some comeuppance to make it not look like she's always right and the order is wrong? Or is anything Big C Church-related fair game for a one-sided takedown? Fuck no. Buffy and Winona get their comeuppance all the time, but it's not for this shit. She just she should be, be able to say this. Always. And that's why we love her. But I guess it's, there's this order and they do this thing. And we all have our own feelings about religion and how it's bullshit. But it does seem like she's the new person saying, everything you guys do is wrong. And... It's only two episodes of her actually interacting with them, but I would like to see her also learn while they are right a little to have it be uh, she's growing. And so that makes storytelling interesting? For growth, yeah. yeah pretend it wasn't church-related. I think that would <laughs> yeah. help help you see what I'm saying a little more. I'm getting you. But also she is, like, I think it helps the fact that she is, like, a young teen just getting, like, a little bit of freedom for the first time who's going to be a little punk to any, like, new system that comes into place, especially if it's, like, slightly tied to, like, her past even in any way. Mm-hmm. So for me, I think it works. What it, like, what is the story where some punk person comes into this, like, long-established thing, uh, this institution, and they're like, this is bullshit, this is bullshit, and then everyone's like oh my God, you're right. And then they just start making changes immediately. <laughs> oh no, shut oh, the no. whole thing down. We're going to redo this. That'd be awesome. Well, one of the things I, I thought they didn't hit hard enough or hit the right way. So Lilith, the person who should have the halo was in charge of training her, which I think bad planning by the church. 100%. Uh, there's seething jealousy here, but she makes her think the demon is coming and Ava, cause she's just a quadriplegic who now can walk, uh, sprints out of the room cause she can phase like Kitty pride. Uh, they don't say, here's why it was fucked up you left, only you can see the demons so Lilith would have died. Like, they don't follow through with the lesson they're trying to teach. They're just assholes to her and leave her stuck in a wall. Yeah. And that's a large part of, we got introduced to this new character, the, like, head nun lady, who, like, the head le- nun lady is always, like, the bad guy, but they had to double down on it in this one, so they made half of her face a scar, and they were like, <laughs> so, this one is super fucked up. But it was, like, 
she she was not there to teach at all like it was just to like bring her down fully and it made me where i don't even know if the priest is the bad guy anymore because they went so hard on like this chick is terrible Oh, no, I said for sure when we talked about this last week. The priest is the bad guy, and I do not think so anymore. He yeah. seems helpful, if not a little, like, stodgy and old-fashioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, no, I think he's there for the good stuff. I just love how, like, you could be the nicest person in the world, but if you achieve head-none status, you just have to be – you have to become the worst person yeah. ever. Your face becomes puckered. Your <laughs> eyes can only glare. And I do think she was trying to get Ava to kill herself. She's yeah. like, I know you did before. Maybe, maybe you should do again, <laughs> which <Yeah>. was <laughs> – Maybe you should do again. But yeah, I don't think Father Vincent, who's the priest who's trying to like actually teach Ava, I don't think he's evil. I think the cardinal above him probably is. Yeah. I realized something while watching these two. Uh, sometimes people will say, oh, this is a this 10 episode show is like a 10 hour movie and they mean it as a compliment, but it's hack as shit. And then with Netflix, I realized that like you can say it and it's an insult. Uh, TV shows are written differently than movies. Mm-hmm. But movies are two hours. This is 10 hours. So if you give 12, bear with me here. If you give 12 minutes per episode, then Ava gets to the training at minute 24 of the movie. And that makes mm-hmm. sense to me. And now, like, I'm in and I want to see what happens. But because it's a 10 hour movie, we had to spend two and a half hours waiting for Ava to get the training. And I don't want that. I don't. Yeah, you can't make a movie like that. Have a bunch of stuff happen in every episode because you're writing a TV show. Yeah, I do think the streaming service is is breaking storytelling. I, I think there's there's something good about episodic story structure. Keep doing that. If you started with episode three and she was like, "Hey, this happened to me, and now I'm training," you'd be like, oh, "Okay, good. I missed <laughs> nothing. I missed literally nothing." Yeah. And we just, I need to go, I need way more of the training because as soon as we're in that nun school and I see like all these kids with like the nun headdresses, but shirtless, like outfits, just kicking ass. Like that is a whole thing I'm completely into. I want more of that. Like stay there, train. I need to know exactly the whole regiment, what they wake up to, what's breakfast. I'm there for it. Yeah. I think maybe just Netflix does not understand what we're into. It gives us a ton of what we don't and very little of what we are into. It really does seem like it's some older people are like, kids are hipsters. They like hipsters. Let's give them more of that gang. And the gang is less lame than when we first met them. But I still don't want to spend more time with them. Mm-hmm. That the, the like heist into the tech party to get free cocktails, that was cute. That was fun. Yeah. So like if they did that, if, if that's how they made TV shows when I was their age, they would be like, oh, kids like doing this. Let's film three hours of this person at 2 a.m. playing The Sims. Nobody wants to fucking watch that. Nobody wants to watch what they actually are. Like, like, let's have an escape. Let's have a warrior nun. That's what I would say. How do you guys feel about the new obvious bad guy who is the like paleontologist slash tech leader lady who's digging up Divinium to make things for it? Mike, do you think I'm... that we could make a bunch of money just coming up with names of elements? Oh, for sure. We should do that, dude. Davidium. And at some point, I think they said it was like an organic like mineral or something. They made some comment about it where it's just like of the earth. I was like, okay, all right, guys, this is too much. But I am into, um, I'm into this little turn of having this bad guy as well. And I think it helps where like I'm into any villain where like if they are in a spot where they are waiting for the like their victim or their person to come to him and they just make a little snack while waiting for him. Like that's a villain I'm yeah. always going to be into. So like that as her, like we got her whole like sciencey side and then like also she's a prick and she will do this. So I'm interested in her. 
And a villain who shows respect for these kids sneaking into her high-class party. Yeah. All right. All right. You got me. Good job. Good job. I would say that I'm into it as long as this means the end of the hipster troop. But if this is adding now a third element, then we don't have time. Yeah, because what we want is... Well, I, I think she's probably the big bad of the season or her V Church. I think there's a, there's a few villains. I think we're not going to get rid of the hipster troop, unfortunately, because every show's like, she needs a gang. Where, uh, no, her gang is... She Bobby has Vincent, a gang Mr. of Watcher, warrior nuns. And sh- Shotgun Mary. Uh, I lo- We all thought Shotgun Mary and her were going to hate each other. It's Lilith and all the other nuns who hate her. And Shotgun Mary is the first nun to joke around with her or show that she knows she's joking. Yeah. I do Shotgun think that's Mary important, yes. Us, 100%. But it is like, so we did get, um, like I thought this series was going to focus more on like, uh, like the demons and stuff of that. And I don't know, for me, it was a bit of a bummer to see that her halo can just like, like we got the like Turisk or whatever was that big demon thing, which I was super excited to see a battle against. And like her halo just kind of like obliterated it. And it felt <laughs> like a bit of a letdown to have like, it was like, it should be this big thing, but watch it. It's just going to die. Ever since the three of us reviewed the incredible Hulk from the seventies. <laughs> uh, now I just can't stop thinking about like, uh, you've got one thing you can do in this episode, and that's it. And that's all the money that we're going to pay. So, like, they have to focus their budget into one cool thing. So, like, the demon showed up at the end of episode two, I think, in the mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, which was a little Jurassic Parky, right? Like, she was running and like hiding, and he was coming into the lots of silver beds and shit. But after that, like, you can't spend any more money. You know, you have to pick and choose. Yeah, and I think because because in the we got some flashbacks to the original Warrior Nun. And she had Divinium sword and killed it. I think it wasn't just her halo. I think she did something with that shield that was Divinium. So I think it's Warrior Nun plus Divinium armor kills demons. I, I love this shit. It's been my whole life, and I still hate how they make me say it out loud. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good to hear, though. And as well, it's good to hear Shotgun Mary, which we got more of this episode, where she's just completely... She is... I'm in love. I love her because she is taking. She is no set of rules, just doing her own thing on revenge. Yeah, Mary's cold as hell. She threw that mercenary. She took him up to uh, the mountains, and it's a mercenary who's working for the tech company. So that's how Mary's the detective. She's figuring out how everything is connected, right? She's like, it was a setup. She takes him to the mountains. And he's like, you're a nun. You're not to kill me. And so she throws him a gun and blows him off the mountain. She's awesome. Mm-hmm. Totally kicks ass. But at the end of what is it? The fourth episode, the second one we watched this week. Um, we get Ava running away from the nunnery and the, mm-hmm. taking off the little vest that like hid her from it. And I like I feel like she's obviously gonna go back to her group of friends if she can find them. But like we can't have her like I don't want her separated from these nuns anymore. So like how long until we get back to that? You guys think they'll drag this for? I don't think she's running away because she said I want to live in handwriting so bad because I'm realizing she just learned to write. Uh, but it looks like I wrote it. It was terrible handwriting. But I think she took off the vest because she's going to kill that demon because she knows mm. that's what hides her from it. Oh, I'm totally for that. That would be kick-ass. The other thing, too, that like when you're dealing with a person or a character like Ava, like you, ha- you can't just say, like, sorry, bud, fate decided. You have to be like, you have to convince her that like she's mm. making this decision to become a hero and save the world. And I do think that she will eventually make that decision. But right now they're doing a bad job of like, I don't know if you call it inspiration or gaslighting, but they're doing a bad job of like getting her on the team. Yeah. So eventually, that I do think that will happen. Because so many of them don't want her on the team. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Which could be interesting. It seems like nobody wants her on the team except for her one friend who was like kind of there for her. Also gave the head nun the nickname of Cruella de Jesus. So <laughs> <laughs> excellent, excellent stuff in this. 
Um, but do you guys have, Mike, we'll start with you. Do you have a moment of the week? Yeah, I'll say that there's a lot of funny stuff. There's there's a lot of cool stuff. Uh, but the thing that got me that I thought about a lot was in when they do break into that tech swank party, they start exploring. Like, that's not even – level one breaking in isn't enough. They have to level two break in and see all the things they're inventing. And her excitement at getting that neurally controlled wheelchair, because oh, yeah. that would have been amazing for her, like, was really touching and just showed, like, again, how good this actress is. Yeah. <laughs> And the difference between boys and girls. Like, she was like, she got in it and just drove away. And he was like, what do I do? And she was like, just think. And he was like, okay. And then just, like, crashed into a million things. <laughs> and it's, like, right in the name. It's called, like, a neuro wheelchair. Like, and you put a thing on Idiot. your head. Like, what, what do you think, dumbass? Uh, Ryan, what about you? A moment of the week? Uh, I really like the training where she just keeps getting hit with this, like, uh, billy club. And it sucks. And then she's reali- she realizes, like, oh, what if I don't feel pain and then she stops but i have to go to she gets out of the shower and she's with her uh crush and she's so nervous about like how she looks and then he's like oh yeah what about that scar on your back and she's like no what no i'm perfect i don't have scars and then turns around and sees a full-on angel's halo (laughs) dug into her back i'm glad she finally noticed that shit and honestly, like, she was pretty chill about it. Like, it was a little freak yeah. out then, but then just on about her day, like, going to a party, like, no digging into. But I I'm mean, a, she, I'm a warrior nun. Yeah, she did come back from life, so maybe it doesn't register as hard. But for me, I'd be like, what the hell? Well, she's a warrior nun, not a warrier nun. Uh-huh. So she didn't care about it. Oh, shit. Oh, my God. Mike came in for that. Unreal. Uh, my moment of the week is with Shotgun Mary when. Um, She's at the monastery and, like, the other ones are giving her shit about, like, how she's not there for, like, training or she didn't, like, read or do the text or any of that. And she said, like, you when you have two shotguns, you don't need combat skills because, God, Shotgun <laughs> Mary just kicks ass. I'm totally here for her in all these lines. For anybody who's ever played a video game, get the shotgun. You don't even have to aim. Yeah. yeah. Fire at everything and you will hit something. And she knows that and I love that about her. Uh, Warrior Nun is on Netflix. You can watch it whenever. Our final show of the week is Stargirl. On The Shiv Part 2, it's the episode that gives us everything, as we have Cindy confronting Courtney about being Stargirl, an all-out battle between those two badasses, Henry manifesting all of his mind powers, Snake Man's sewer system lair, Beth actually doing some successful mission shit, and most importantly, other people's moms hitting on Pat. Taste buds, I ask you, would your mom hit on Pat? Oh, hell yes. And I'd be mad <laughs> if she didn't. <laughs> you got Dude, to. What, what, would your mom straight up grab his junk while he's trying to leave? Because that is what the, Sid's, uh, Cindy's mom did. I think that happens at Luke Wilson all day, every day. Also, that's a robot or a clone? We don't know what that it's, is. Yeah. It is. We've learned this is her like fifth stepmom. But, and that Cindy as a kid did something to her real mom. Because when she's like temper tantrum fighting with her dad, He's like, you're so good at hurting things. And she, he, she says, stop bringing up mom. And he says, I didn't. Oh, man. And he has, like, as a villain, he has all the things in his tool belt to beat heroes. And then as a father, he has all the things in his tool belt to beat his daughter down. Yeah. Everything he says. But, yeah, like, all right, so Shiv maybe killed her mom at birth, which I'm not going to blame Cindy for. Like, you just get born. Uh, yeah. And then this is probably, like, the sixth or seventh clone or robot that they've made from her. Yeah. Clone bot. Which makes sense why, I, I mean, like, I'm not a villain, but if a clone came up and said, do you want some cookies, I would probably smack the plate out of their head. It's a clone. Like, what the fuck it's do a, I care? That's a hilarious joke. But also, why give that clone bot f- emotions? Because she is terrified of Cindy. Because Cindy mm-hmm. yells at her, she's like, go get me the bottle of wine I know is in your room. Yeah. 
that's all, I'm not sure. We'll eventually get more of that. But I was just so excited to see this the her hit on Pat because obviously it's the move you got to do. But since we are focusing on like Shiv and like how insane and much of a badass she is, like I I fully I'm fully after this episode I'm fully on board for her as a villain because she is that perfect level of extraness. Like that whole scene where she goes to um, Courtney's house and like acts like she's just there to like apologize. They have like a full, she has a full conversation with them. They're like sharing chocolates and then not until the end does she drop the fact that she knows she's Stargirl. Shiv went over there after a fight where she fought somebody in a mask. Who could that person in the mask be? I have no idea. Uh, Courtney knows. But uh, Shiv goes over or Cindy goes over and then they talk for like hours and then at the end like, do you really think that fucking mask could have yeah. fooled me? Like, are you serious? What are you in a DC comic book? That's insane. <laughs> and I, doesn't she end like on her way out? She's like, and I hope it didn't break your staff because that was really cool. Like she, she such total control of how she delivered all of it mm-hmm. was. And also the fact like she is also just like the perfect, like even her like school bully side was almost like more developed because her is the funniest thing to have her eat chocolates and just give away the pieces that she didn't like. But also to only be excited for the cherry one, like that is a psychopath, for sure, all the way through. Wait, because she likes and the cherry one. You, yes. Do you, do you not like the cherry one? No, the cherry one is nasty. Cherry one is the best one. You're, You're nasty. You are. So the we should we should say why Cindy went over is uh so Stargirl got her ass beat by Shiv. Uh, so Pat crashes his car to cover Courtney's injuries, and she like goes to the hospital, and so people are like coming and checking on her. And Pat takes it on the chin. He loses his prized car and tells Barbara, who specifically said, don't teach her how to drive. He said he'd let Courtney drive, and that's why they crashed. Pat is a great stepdad. He's not a good husband, but he is a great stepdad. Also, at the same time, the worst stepdad. Like, Yeah, because he's still letting her fight crime. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's what he has. Like, There's this moment where he like almost broke. He's like, we for sure got to tell your mom now. And, like, obviously that is the real-life thing that you would do, but we are in a TV show, so, like, this has to go on until, like, the mom is in danger, right? Like, she's just, it's going to be way down the line. Yeah, Courtney says, not until we beat the ISA. Oh, so four seasons from now, we finally can tell her? Oh, and then on the other side, we get a little bit about the ISA. They're not just villains for villains' sake. They are going out, and they're, like, eco-warriors, and they're trying to destroy the actually evil people. Every time that somebody dies and says, while I'm dying and you're my husband and you're part of the ISA, please do what's right and kill them all. And we think, like, oh, they're talking about babies or whatever. And no, they're, like, they're going out and killing the, pe- the same people that I would like to kill. Yeah, because Jordan goes down and a guy who's, like, on the board of – he's, like, on health and safety for the company that his wife worked for. Like, that's how she got cancer, right? He's, a, he's on the board like, of uh, CancerSwampInc.com. Yeah. Who also, I think, fought Captain Planet in the 80s. <laughs> I was surprised. Hey, so Jordan and Barbara go on an out-of-town trip last minute, and they have a dinner. I thought he was going to hit on her hardcore. Yeah. Is the, are they building towards that because she's getting angrier at Pat? I don't know and what closer his, to Jordan. Yeah, I don't know what his game is. It could be. I don't. It's probably not just like sex, right? No. no. But what does he know then? Or does he know? Because I don't think Star Girl is Star Man's daughter. Did he change his face because he has an ice face and he fucked Barbara 15 years ago? So Icicle is Stargirl's daughter? Oh, man. Yes, Icicle is Stargirl's daughter. (laughs) Confirmed. We broke it here. He looks good for his age. 100%. We did get um, 
So Beth actually, like, Beth is the perfect agent to send in for the mission that she had because she has no shame. Like, they sent her into the house to dig up dirt. And she's the perfect one because she doesn't care what anybody thinks of her. Like, she will be annoying to any parent and, like, just find the clues. But what was surprising was that, like, how bold she was. Like, once she found this hidden key code to a secret layer, she was just like, all right, time to go down to it. Well, yeah, but then, like, one groan from Solomon Grundy, and then she's running out of there. I could handle, like, yeah. three or four groans from Solomon Grundy before I'm running away. Okay, brave boy. Big brave boy. <laughs> I'm brave boy number one. That's right, you are. Uh, um, yeah, like, uh, Beth is interesting and weird because at this point, in this episode, she uses her annoyance as part of her power. You know, like, if Coulson's power is just dying all the time, Beth is, like... I actually realize how people react to me, and I'm going to use that to my advantage. And that uh-huh. is how she gets downstairs. Yeah. How was that ending scene? The where Cindy and Courtney like have a full on out battle where they finally meet, but we also get um, not Ricky. What is his name? Little shit. Her- Henry. Henry. We get Henry, who's like now has full powers, and he's in the middle of it. Like that was like so intense for me. Like I loved that moment. That was awesome because so Henry f- found his like he was going for Tylenol because he has a crazy migraine because he's hearing everybody's thoughts and then they start floating and somehow he opens his dad's secret lair. He not only sees a picture of his mom, he finds files that he finds out that Cindy doesn't really like him, that their dad's got going. Brainwave was afraid Henry's powers might manifest at school. So why not have another villain's daughter watch him? Okay, and I'm not talking shit right now. I love the placement of things in rooms, like discovered yes. rooms. Like this show knows how yeah. to be like picture, file, oh shit. That's, there's like so many videotapes and stuff. I was like, ooh, what are all of these? And he found the one file with the information he needed. It was perfect. And because Shiv has known her whole life who she is, is so ready to be a villain that she's like fighting with her dad. But when Henry runs up to be like, are you spying on me? What is this? She's like, kill her. We're villains. Let's do this. Kill her. And his response, even though he's a douchebag and we don't like him, is what? (laughs) So just blow them all away. Uh, This show, like, it's called Stargirl. It's not called, like, uh, JSA of the future or ISA. Like, I cannot believe. And we've talked some shit on some of the characters, like Henry and Cindy. But at this point now, we have, like, a 12-person ensemble. And it just snuck up, and, like, I'm interested in 12 different characters. And with other shows like Arrow and The Flash, that's not the case. Nah. Like, I, like, there's half of the people I just I don't want on the screen anymore. And because what they did with Cindy, I think we're getting a Henry episode very soon. And I am i don't care what we used to think about him. I'm excited for it to learn more about him. Yeah. Well, yeah, he... Sure. He texted pictures of naked Yolanda to the entire school, so I'm never going to oh, be on I his still side. Think he's Mike. a bad person, no, but okay. I, I might think he's an interesting character. Okay, because I thought you were yeah. going to say everyone should do that thing that he did. No. <laughs> How do you guys feel about Mike now that he gave Courtney pizza bites and apologizes oh, and says God. it's cool you're my sister? All right, so ensemble minus one. Fuck <laughs> him. <laughs> Fuck Mike. Get him out of here. I hope he no, chokes on a pizza bite. I don't like bite. that sentence. I don't like any of the sentences you just said. I took that to heart. <laughs> Pull that as a drop. no but that was absolute like that whole scene was bullshit like they're instantly calling each other like little bro and sis that's not how step siblings work and i know that like this is like a month into this absolutely not hey mike if you want to apologize for something and this is mike the character mike the person uh why don't you apologize for your giant head why is your head so fucking big dude where do you buy hats where do you fucking buy hats okay i know you said to the character but it still feels pointed (laughs) Would never, Mike. Big Head Mike, do you have a moment of the week? 
Uh, yeah, it is just the whole scene of Cindy and Courtney in Courtney's room and being like, well, shows, it's a show, so Cindy knows. But they played it so well that I'm like, I don't know. If, the, the tension of that scene was so well done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ryan, what about you? Moment of the week? <laughs> Moment of the week is uh, Pat and Beth run out of the of Cindy's house. And uh, our man and Wildcat are just standing there. But our man just like flipped his thing around. Wildcat is in full regalia. And Luke, or not Luke, sorry, Pat looks at her and he's like, you can't be wearing that. And she's like, oh, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Uh, like tries to cover up her costume because she is like in a park at 2 p.m. dressed as a full teenage superhero. You can't do that. Listen to Pat. He's right. He might not he might not always have the best ideas, but Pat is right right now. Uh, my moment of the week is obviously the moment between Courtney and uh Sydney with the chocolates and everything, but also when Pat was having a heart to heart with the staff, like having him telling the staff like he needs to protect Courtney. That was just a, such a precious moment. I was like, Oh, this dad cares so he, much. He started off with saying, I know you've never respected <laughs> me. <laughs> and to be talking to a staff, like he's the most stepdad and I love every moment of it. And did all the moves, like, uh, turned his hat around, turned his chair around. Like, let's get real, Steph. I, I have to talk to you. <laughs> We're going to have a heart-to-heart, little bud. Uh, Stargirl is a very good show. You should be watching it. You can watch it Mondays on the DCU or Tuesdays on the CW. And that is it for our poll list, guys. We have done it. We've made it through. Mike, can you tell us about some websites? Hell yeah. Go to yourpopfilter.com for everything we do. For a little even more things we do that you pay and it helps us, go to patreon.com slash yourpopfilter. We give you extra content that's super fun and it just takes a little bit every month from you. A little bit. And Mike, if I'm not mistaken, there's also a website people can go to to rate the show. Is that correct? You are correct. You are not mistaken. Ratethispodcast.com slash superhero and ratethispodcast.com there. That's where you'd go. Ryan, can you tell us about some other shows? Dot com slash there. Yes. Please <laughs> listen to Movie of the Year. That's where uh, me and Mike and one day, Cassie, cross your fingers, uh, when Greg gets COVID, uh, oh, gross. We, we all go through uh, any given movie of any given year and we try to determine what is the best movie of that particular year. Uh, and then also search for Unnatural 20s where Cassie and her two... I don't want to say friends, right? Like me and Mike are your friends. Yeah, what do you call them? Acquaintances. Acquaintances. Peers. peers. Where Cassie and her two peers go through. Associates. Yeah. Go through what it's like to roll dice and live through their 20s all at the same time. <laughs> Thank you for the shout out. Mike, can you tell us about social media? At your pop filter on Twitter, on Instagram. Uh, go to Patreon and fe- hear a full Twitter review. And uh, really get to know what our brand is about and then go to our Twitter and be like, yep, their brand's that. <laughs> it's that. And it's worth the follow, you guys. For sure, follow that. Uh, we also got a simple email. It's contact at your pop filter. Reach out. Let us know what you think about the shows we're reviewing. That is all. You guys, next week we have another big show coming up. We are going to see if Snowpiercer can land the train. Also, will the old guard be the best streaming superhero movie of all time? We are doing a full movie next week. And we are going to find out if Fitz will finally fucking be on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., it's going to be great. Thank you for listening to this episode. For Mike, I'm Ryan. For Ryan, I am Mike. For me, I am me. Bye, everyone.
Bye.